And so, yeah, first, just even the mental change. When you can't change anything, you just know, like, it's okay that my body is resting and it's showing up in the way that it is. But second, yeah, I started to play with things a little bit more in the fact that I added a lot more carbs. And that honestly started happening when I was pregnant because I was like, oh, I have to, you know, eat right before and right after running because I have a baby that I need to, you know, make sure I'm getting enough calories for. If you're an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you're in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, me, Whitney Hines. Hi, and welcome to episode 37 of Runner Clicks, the Passionate Runner podcast. I am your host, Whitney Hines. I'm a lifelong runner, a certified running coach, and founder of the motherrunners.com, a resource for moms who run. And today we are hearing from McKenna Myler about running while pregnant. She just, I believe, set a record for the fastest pregnant mile. She ran a 5.17, nine months pregnant. So we're going to talk about pregnant running, running as a mom, and just demystifying all the myths out there when it comes to women and running and training. Some more about McKenna. McKenna, while pregnant with her first child, ran a mile in five minutes and 25 seconds, just 10 days before she gave birth to her daughter in October. Her husband, Mike, created a TikTok post that accumulated more than 6 million views. Her story jumped to numerous other news sites around the world. And now she did it again. Right before this recording, she ran a 517 just a couple weeks before having her second child. She's about to have her second child actually any day now. So anyways, the following spring, after having her first child, she started entering races to qualify for the Olympic trials. At the end of May, she finally qualified with a time of 3203.62 in the 10,000-meter race in Oregon. Her time was almost three minutes faster than her best collegiate time. In the trials on June 26, 2021, seven months after having her first baby, she placed 14th out of 44 runners in the highly competitive 10,000-meter race. Although she didn't go on to compete in the Olympics, McKenna signed a contract to run professionally for ASICs. In her debut as a pro runner, she ran the Desiree News Half Marathon in 109.54, beating the old course record set by fellow Brigham Young University standout Sarah Sellers. McKenna competed in track and field for BYU from 2011 to 2014, and now she's on a mission to debunk myths and misconceptions about running for women starting with her new website called McKennaMiler.com. We're going to get to my interview with McKenna after this short message from our sponsor, RunnerClick. If you are an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated, and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you are in the right place. RunnerClick presents The Passionate Runner with your host, Whitney Hines. Hey, McKenna, how are you? I'm doing good. Good to be here. <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm doing good, but I'm not set to have a baby in three days. Yeah, I am a little anxious right now, actually. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Are you guys like ready? Are you packed and you have like the child care lined up for Lou and all that? Yeah. Oh, you know what? We're so lucky. Actually, I've given that a lot of thought. We're like, how do people do this when they don't live next to family? I guess, I mean, you have like close friends, but how do you, you know, plan to pass off your child if it starts at 2 a.m.? Like, <laughs> you have to call your friend and make sure they're awake. I don't know. So you have your, the grandparents are close by? Yes. Yeah. My mom will be really close by, which is really nice. And and then if she's not awake, I have two sisters that I can call. So yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I have a good support system around where we're giving birth. So That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. I was just telling you, my son came early. And so it was like, yeah, my parents were living three and a half hours away at the time. So it was a, a phone call of, yeah, like, can you please get up here to take care of Eleanor while this happens? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So it was, but you know, like, you always figure it out. Like, you make it work, you know? Totally. Did you have neighbors that you could be like, can I leave Eleanor with? And then my parents are coming to get her? Or Isn't this crazy? Like, so she came to the hospital with us because I really thought, like, I was planning dinner. I was like, oh, this is not, you know, these are just Braxton Hicks that just feel like I, Eleanor came right on time. So I didn't, I didn't have any inclination that Cal would not follow through on the same timeline. And uh, yeah, so she stayed with us until I think my mom was able to come up. So she just hung out. I remember she was wearing. Oh, yeah. Different times, like before and after COVID, right? In the hospital. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We're not, yes. Not bring- this was 2017. So it was pre. Yeah. So she was able to hang out. She was like fully dressed, head to toe in her Elsa gown. And she just had fun at the hospital until my mom was able to make it up from Atlanta. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's kind of a blur. I Funny, I haven't thought about that, I think, since. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you're feeling good. And I know you kind of hope you would go into labor during this podcast, but it sounds like, you know, you <laughs> just start doing squats in the middle of the podcast. Don't mind yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to go viral. This is what's going to make the Passionate Runner the top running podcast out there. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So I have to tell you, it was kind of funny. The other day, my husband mentioned to me, he's like, yeah. Did you see that woman who like set a record for running the fastest mile pregnant? And I was like, oh, well, I'm interviewing McKenna Myler over the weekend. She ran a 525 when she was pregnant. And then I Googled it. And sure enough, I was like, oh, wait, it's the same person. She did it (laughs) again. (laughs) And I have to think it's so cool that your last name is Myler. I mean, what are the chances of that? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's actually how it started. So when my husband really? and I, yeah, <laughs> okay, I started running long before that, and I was pursuing it, you know, as an amateur. But when we were getting married, I thought, "Well, I'm becoming a miler, so I should just run an all-out mile the morning of my wedding." And so <laughs> I had, you know, all my bridesmaids, all my family, his family, and I made everybody run a mile with me. And I took it really seriously. Like, I actually really wanted to run fast. But I just made it, I said, just come out and run the mile while I'm running. And so, yeah, I ran a mile the morning of my wedding. And uh, it kind of kept going from there, I guess. Because then. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I have to ask what your time was. Oh, you know what? I think I ran 442. It wasn't anything 
I wanted to break 40. I was like, I should just break 40 because I hadn't broken 40 yet. And I ended up running 442. And I was like, whatever. Was, I was exhausted from wedding planning. <laughs> 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 it was great. <laughs> well, I mean, I would think that like as you're running, your mind would wander as it tends to do. And you're like, wait a minute. I really need to be pushing hard. I can't be thinking about whether or not, you know, the cake is going to arrive unscathed or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in my mind, we're just going to say it was a 439. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I would. <laughs> it worked okay, that way, right? It, it was that much sweeter when I did break 40 in jeans last year. So that was fun. <laughs> so that was, oh, okay. I know. I do remember that. I do remember your Instagram reel talking about like, how you just kind of are owning the weird miles. Weird miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. I was stoked about that because it was kind of, that wasn't planned at all. It was just the first mile of my workout that the boys. That you, you decided know, to wear jeans. Yeah. Was for charity, <laughs> right? I mean, it wasn't like. <laughs> well, ASICS promotes sound mind, sound body. And so when it's the month of May, they really do like a mental health promotion. And part of that is running a mile in jeans. And so I wanted to be a part of it, but it wasn't really working out my race schedule. And so I, I thought, I'm just going to put it in the beginning of this workout and just do a hard mile. And my legs just happened to feel good that day. The boys went out a little too fast and we're like, I guess we're going this fast. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, uh, yeah, just finished my workout after I was like, wow, that was that was really cool. I ran 437. And then we found out later that it was the world record for the Gene Mile. Not that a lot of people are running that, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. So do you have the world record for the pregnant mile too? So was my husband right? You know, <laughs> everyone keeps saying that, but there's no, I think you have to have officials come out. You have to pay them to have an official world record. Even with the Gene Mile, I'm like, do I even officially have that? I don't know. <laughs> and then it's just funny because I know in my mind, like there are women who are so much more talented than I am. And I know that if they had tried, they would have that record over me for sure for both the pregnant and the Gene Mile. Like there are so many talented women out there. But yeah, as of right now. I don't know. I mean, I think it takes some pretty good jeans to run a 437 <laughs> in jeans and not get like incredible chafing. Yeah, it's okay. It's over in four minutes. So yeah, you know. Right. Yes. It doesn't happen that quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So you didn't like have to lube up or anything a whole bunch before. And I was just wearing spandex underneath. It was great. <laughs> oh, smart. Okay. Well, yeah, you got this. It's kind of that 90s look, you know, with like your underwear hanging out, but it was my spandex and you have your jeans that are like sagging a little bit. No shirt. I'm like, this is what I've lived for to be in the We're all gonna have to go back and look at this reel of you. That I mean, that is incredible. I have to think there was like a lot of spandex, like there's a lot of lycra or whatever in the jeans that you were wearing. It wasn't just like full on denim. Yeah. So that was the other thing that was funny that happened because they messaged me and they said, Hey, you have the world record of the jean mile and they said what was the percentage of your pants and we yeah like the spandex in your pants and we looked it up and i think the rules had changed or something but i was like they're not 100 percent jeans they're 
I can't even remember, but I think they're like 90% or 89%. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't own the record then because it's not 100%. And they're like, actually, no, that is the limit. You like were right spot on. I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> That's cool. This just gets weirder and weirder. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're tangent tonight. We can go back to the other miles, but... <laughs> So I'm changing the whole focus of this podcast, and we're just going to talk about the gene mile. We're just going to do a deep dive into the gene mile. No need to talk about all the other stuff. The mile is just so fun. It's so relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. My son and I were at the library yesterday, and we were flipping through the Guinness Book of World Records. And like, it's the most random stuff. Like, I don't know where people come up with these combinations, but like, I'm pretty sure we're all setting world records throughout the day of like, I don't know, most coffee drink while reading a book and making wearing a white sweater, not spilling. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No one else is doing that. (laughs) That's why you have that record. I mean, that's essentially what all these records are. It's crazy. I talked on an earlier podcast about how my daughter, who was eight at the time, was trying to set the world record for hanging from a bar. And so she like taped my husband's phone up on the wall to record her. And then she had her iPad in front of her. So she was watching it. And she even, I mean, she broke whatever record she thought she was supposed to for an eight-year-old hanging from a bar. And like, it's amazing because she takes her sweatshirt off during like she and my husband and and everybody's just like passing by her in the house and she's just hanging from this pull-up bar. That is amazing. I have yet to submit it, but yeah. And I don't know why this idea came into her head, but she was like, I forget how long she did it for. Now, I mean, it was well over an hour that she hung from this. What? That's incredible. Oh my goodness. The taking off the sweatshirt was pretty amazing. But anyways, okay. So let's focus here. Okay, so we should be interviewing her right now. Right, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should have her on. She loves to tell me that running is easy and gymnastics is hard. So, gotcha. Yeah, she can probably set the gene record for yeah. a nine-year-old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll set her on that task next. So this mile thing—it's been kind of a tradition now. All this, so so you. Can you kind of tell us the history of the first pregnant mile that you did, how that came about? Because it was spontaneous, right? Kind of? Yes and no. So at the beginning of the pregnancy, when we had called my husband's parents to tell talk about the fact that I was pregnant, we got into this conversation about how fast I'd be able to run by the end of the pregnancy. You know, I was kind of like doing the math in my head and I made a joke about, I said, I think I can still break eight minutes in the mile, like run a seven minute mile by the end of my pregnancy with all the the weight I was going to gain. And my husband started laughing. And because what we knew about pregnancy, we had knew nothing. We just knew that you probably get a lot slower and you're more tired as it just progresses. And he so we made this, you know, on the fly bet that he's like, if you <laughs> break eight minutes in the mile, like you'll be peeing your pants, going into labor, and I will be taking you to the hospital. And he said that, you know, I bet you a hundred bucks you won't be breaking eight minutes in the mile. I was like, oh, okay. And as as the pregnancy progressed, 
we quickly, you know, figured out, I mean, it's not just a straight trajectory down because, you know, I hadn't even gained weight yet in the first trimester and you're just so tired and running so slow that yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so hard, but it's not the straight trajectory down, right? It's kind of these ups and downs. And, and even honestly, by the third trimester, I was going up a little bit with training and just consistently being out there. And, and you know, the times I was running and workouts, I was definitely well under eight minutes. So, so we kind of knew that that was kind of a joke, like that I would be able to do that. But I was on a run with one of my friends who was a part of the mile from my wedding. And she brought it up and she said, are you going to do a mile while you're pregnant? Because, you know, you do miles in important lifestyle. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so she kind of reminded me of it. I was like, oh, yeah, I actually did make a funny bet with my husband we should do that. And so I, you know, remind my husband and he was like, yeah, when do you want to do that? I was like, let's just do it next week. I think like the group I was training with was doing a workout that I could jump in and do the mile. And yeah, so we did the mile. So it was like not really planned that well. Like I was jumping in the middle of this guy's three mile tempo. <laughs> it wasn't an official race. Like he was even late because he was trying to do a run before I even did the mile. And then he came, filmed it, you know, thought it was funny. He loves humor. And so he tried to make like a funny video to show our friends and family, posted it on TikTok. And then half the day later, he was like, you know, you, you have half a million views and ESPN wants to post your video. I was like, what? (laughs) I wasn't even really present on social media. He was, that was all him. And anyway, so, so that's how the first mile kind of went down and, and things escalated from there. (laughs) Yeah. So what was the feedback that? like? Because I'm sure the responses were pretty mixed and you really had to have a thick skin to handle like the naysayers well okay so two things with that is one i wasn't really on social media it was my husband looking at all these comments and so i i didn't get like the brunt force of it and he is so he doesn't care he's like why would you care about what these people think but when i first heard it yeah I was kind of stunned and it kind of hit me like, oh my gosh, like so many people think I'm just an absolute idiot. And like, this is this is kind of crazy. And he's like, we kind of, none of these people know you and you know what's healthy for your baby. You've been, you know, training this far, your baby's fine. I, and so anyway, we kind of made a good laugh about it and it started to, you know, fade away. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, he's right. It just like, doesn't matter at all. It's just funny. And yeah, so the second time around when I, you know, got negative comments, it just doesn't phase me at all because I mean, and also because now I have this proof, if you want to say where I have a really healthy daughter who's really intelligent. I haven't had to worry about any health concerns and, you know, she's normal and happy and growing. (laughs) Like, okay, so nothing bad happened. So I'm I'm lucky to have that going. But yeah, the comments from the first time around, I think what more hit me was the self-deprecating comments that happened so much. And that's why we actually started the Naked Miler, which kind of led, you know, into this female running guide for women, because so many people and especially women were like, wow, I can't even get off the couch and just, I'm a terrible person because I can't run five minute miles. Like, what? what? <laughs> like, why are we Right, doing? yeah. 
Yeah. And I really wanted to help people and, and help them connect emotional stabilization, like happiness with running and that it wasn't a weight loss program and that running is, you know, just empowering. And so, yeah, that all kind of escalated from the comments there. Yeah. It's hard to know like how, when you put something out there, how it's going to land. Like you don't, you didn't realize that, well, when you did that and your husband posted it, like he didn't realize that how women who were pregnant and, you know, struggling with energy or just how they were feeling, were going to view it, like what lens they were seeing it through. So tell me more about the Naked Miler. What is that? So that's a website that we have. So now, I mean, the Naked Miler was, it was like originally kind of, yeah, just a resource for running and the connection between your mental and emotional state as well with running and just a resource of, you know, maybe some pregnancy and post-pregnancy tips, but it kind of faded out a little bit. And now we have the Naked Miler blog and it's now a resource of women for females who are running through all things, pregnancy periods, all the hormonal changes to help them navigate how to do that with their cycles. And is this the same as, because you have McKenna Myler as well? Yeah, sorry. That's what <laughs> tangent that was running in my, in my mind. Yeah. And we changed it to <laughs> McKenna Myler. It's not called the Naked Myler anymore. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which is, so I love the Instagram reels that you've put out there that have like put, have shown a light on like the stupid things that people have told you, have told other women as far as how to train related to your cycle. Like you just need to toughen up the different, like, I mean, the different nutrition schemes you're supposed to follow as far as like, like being a runner and cutting out carbs and doing keto and just all sorts of like different weight training. And so I know that the McKennaMiler.com is addressing that and taking that on. Can you talk some more about like some of these these things that you have been told and the lessons that you've learned through the way along the way? Because I mean, I just I like so many women that I talk to on Instagram or women that I coach, they still are they battle. I mean, so many women battle this, but even like women who are educated in running and athletic performance, like they still are running up against these misconceptions because you know, all, most of the science out there is like based on male subjects. So yeah, I'd love to hear more about like what you have encountered personally. Yeah. So it is funny. So we're in these loops of social media that you kind of think everyone's on the same page as you. And we learn something. I'm like, oh yeah, everyone gets this. And then you talk to a new group of people or a new, you know, sources come in or out and you're like, oh wait, like this isn't common knowledge. Like it's exactly the same thing with like I have so much support in my circle of Instagram of people who are commenting and people are, I'm like, everyone gets this. Like, this is great. But then, you know, like we posted this article. We didn't post, but Yahoo interviewed me and posted this article about me and all this, this new influx of people that didn't know me. And there was a lot more negative comments, right? So it's kind of the same thing with what came to mind as you were speaking is with women eating. I think my ever like women get this, like you're supposed to eat carbs. Like <laughs> I see it on my Instagram, a lot of people pushing this, you know, and then I talk to a new group of women and I'm like, they're not eating. <laughs> like this is, right. this is why your performance is not. <laughs> yeah. And so it is funny or yeah, or understanding that, you know, 
you actually perform better on your period or the week after your period, even though, you know, you might be cramping a little bit more. Your hormones are advantageous to adaptions or adaptations that you need, you know, for workouts during this time. And, you know, the questions I had one woman ask me once, it was a group of collegiate women. She said, I just don't understand. I feel like I'm doing everything I can. Is there something, you know, like that I can change. <laughs> like basically her question was like, I just need to work harder. Right. And I think yeah, I with a lot of these women, they just think I just need to work harder. And I was totally caught up in that same cycle where I would have be having the best workouts of my life. And then I would absolutely tank in a race, get dead last or just not feel like trying. And I'd be like, I just need to work harder. I just need to be tougher and then be rewarded. You know, the next couple of weeks because my hormones were in a good place because I started my period and things went down. And then I was like, yeah, that was the answer. I just need to be tougher. And then the cycle just kept happening. And so what's happening here is, right. So let's explain the cycle first off. Let's, well, we can start there. So I like to simplify it, even though it can get a lot more complicated than this, where you're in the low hormone phase or the high hormone phase. And the reason I also like to do that is because during pregnancy and breastfeeding, you're not necessarily, you don't, not necessarily, you don't have your cycle. And so, you know, when you're in with pregnancy, you're in a more of a high hormone phase. And when you're breastfeeding, you're in a more low hormone phase. And so in the same thing with your cycle, when you're on your period, you're in the low hormone phase. And then the two weeks after, and really the couple of days before your period, you're in the really high hormone phase. And so, in the high hormone phase, we have to tweak things a bit more because we're not like men <laughs> at all, right? This is what has differentiated us. But in the low hormone phase, we're a lot more like men because they are in a low hormone phase for 50 years, <laughs> right? You know, they're not changing very much and we're changing every month, right? And so with adaptations to training, you respond really well to in the low hormone phase, right? You, you know, the way you process carbs is more similar to men, the way you're hydrated is more similar, you're sleeping better. And so these, that adds up, right, to the adaptations that are happening. And, and those are just a couple of things. And, and then the higher hormone phase, right, you're maybe not sleeping quite as well, your sleep is interrupted by estrogen, you're processing carbs differently because carbs are going to the lining in your, your uterus, preparing to have a baby, right? Uh, and same thing when, when you do have that baby, when you're pregnant, you have a lot more carbs going to that uterus. You're processing it differently. And you're even, your hydration has even changed with your, the fluid in your blood is the plasma in your blood is lower, right? So, and you don't really even know it. So anyway, <laughs> so there are a couple of things that you want to change in those, that week to two weeks before your period that help your training adaptations that a man wouldn't necessarily have to go through. Right. So the high hormone phase is not the full two weeks after your cycle. No, it, it builds. Yeah. Like it's not just like, oh, you're in the high and you're in the low. Yeah. It's not like only you only have a two a good two weeks every month or whatever. It's like you'll have a so. So, yeah, but it is like there are, it's really like a few days leading up to your PMS. Right. Yeah. That your high hormone and you need to make these changes. 
Yeah. And then the other asterisk to that, you know, and the reason we haven't been studied is that is if you are regular, you know, if and a lot of women in sports are not regular. And so it's or they're on birth control, which is messing with when these hormones are timed or not. And everybody's cycle kind of, you know, it's what, between like 28 days and 40-ish days, right? So Yeah, it's like a huge range of how often you're experiencing the cycle. Totally. It's interesting. So what are some of the changes that you have made that have helped you? Yeah. So first, just mentally even understanding that was a huge game changer where, you know, I would still show up for the same workout and just being just understanding okay my body's not going i'm responding today i cut the workout in half like i couldn't even finish you know half of the workout that that is okay and i'm not going to let that like drag me down or ruin my training i'm just going to continue on and know that things are going to turn around the next week so even without even being able to change anything it was just mentally like i empowering yeah yeah, my talent is not gone. It's not, it has not disappeared. I ha- and that hard work has not disappeared. It's not me. It's the hormonal changes that are happening. And so obviously your pain tolerance is even a little bit lower because in the high hormone phase. And so you don't want to try as much. And I remember feeling that like feeling so validated after reading all this research and being like, I literally said this to my coach at the end of a race. Like, I don't know what happened. I just didn't feel like trying. Like, and that was like in the research. I'm like, this is crazy. Now I know why. Um, and so, yeah, first, just even the mental change. When you can't change anything, you just know, like, it's okay that my body is resting and it's showing up in the way that it is. But second, yeah, I started to play with things a little bit more in the fact that I added a lot more carbs. And that honestly started happening when I was pregnant because it was like, oh, I have to, you know, eat right before and right after running because I have a baby that I need to, you know, make sure I'm getting enough calories for. And that <laughs> I think started translate. I didn't, I never ate, I, I ran fasted a ton. I just wake up in the morning and go run. And I didn't realize that was actually really detrimental for women. Like men can kind of get away with that, but women really need like, at least 100, 150 calories before they go running. It's, it, and I, I like to describe this as kind of keeping your body in a low stress state as often as possible <laughs> because you're already stressing your body out, especially as a runner. But the more you can keep it in the state of, you know, we're not stressed, we, <laughs> we can, you know, even if you're just eating, like I said, 150 calories, it tells your body like you're okay. And then eating right after, I think, is, you know, a similar signal the way you're rebuilding your body that like nutrients are coming, nutrients are here. And so being able to get food in right after is really important. And that translated to post-pregnancy for me where running continued to go really well because I was eating a ton more. But kind of going back to just eating more carbs in that high hormone phase was also a good game changer and being okay with that, knowing that you would need you know, more carbs in the week before my period. And then, you know, I mean, also tracking is really important. That's kind of a side note. But I think sometimes, like I said, there are these misconceptions that happen. For example, (laughs) everyone says you crave chocolate on your period. 
And I was like, yeah, I totally create chocolate in my period. I love chocolate. And, you know, I, I would eat chocolate throughout every day of my cycle. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but I started to realize I really did crave it actually right before my period. And actually that was like, oh, I'm not craving it. I mean, I still enjoy it on my period, but I'm not craving it really like, like in the same way. And like I said, it's just that extra carbs that you need a couple of days before your period. And then, you know, one more thing I would say I changed that was significant is I've been a lot more aware of my hydration during that week as well. And making sure, you know, more broths, more Pedialyte kind of drinks. Although I do scratch, I don't really do Pedialyte, but just, you know, electrolyte drinks during that week to really make sure I'm on top of my hydration, even when I'm not quote unquote feeling thirsty. And that I think has helped a ton, but yeah. And there's other things. Yeah. I, I think it is like super just like, I don't know, comforting to know that like the signs that your body are giving you are validated through this process. Not like, oh, I'm, I've lost it or I'm just not mentally tough enough or, oh my goodness, why am I craving all these carbs and so tired for no reason? And then I think a lot of women, if you actually do track it, you realize that, oh, that bad run or those extra hungry days or extra tired days were very much aligned to where you were in your cycle. Totally. Yeah. No, it's very true. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, also on the other side of things, like taking advantage of when my hormones were ready to, you know, really adapt to the training, I would, you know, tell my coach and be like, this is, I need a VO2 max workout here. Like I need to be really nailing some good training in these two weeks because I know my body's going to respond. And so it was more fun. I was really looking forward to those two weeks. And and I'd still try to, you know, show up for, like I said, like a normal workout just to see maybe my body was feeling decent that day because that did start happening a little bit more the better I got at using some of those tips that I was talking about in the high hormone phase. Yeah. But yeah, because you just never know. You just show up. <laughs> I think it's important to always show up. Yeah. And plus, like it is, I mean, you can plan your race schedule, but there are going to be races that you want to race and that may fall in a suboptimal time of your cycle. Right. So it is important to like learn how to train through in a way. Totally. But I think it's also important to distinguish between adaptations and racing. Because to me, you know, training is you're trying to get your body to adapt to stimulus. Right. So that race well. And the race is, is more of the performance. It's putting it all together. You're not really trying to get an adaptation necessarily from the race. And so when a race falls on your high hormone phase, you actually can still perform relatively close, if not like really well <laughs> to what you would do in the low hormone phase. Yeah. So really it's more of the training that you should be worried about rather than the race falling on those days. But it's still wise to make sure you're eating more carbs, you're hydrating, you may be warmer, like your core body temperature may be a little bit elevated, which can, depending on what you're running and the weather you're running in, like that can impact you, right? Yeah. Something I've said is I know my pain tolerance is lower, right? In that high hormone phase. And so I know I need to be way smarter with my race strategy in the high hormone phase, because if I go out too fast, like I'm not coming back from that where, you know, maybe on my period or the week after I, I would be able to come back a little bit from going out too fast and 
you know, salvage something, but that's not going to happen in the high hormone phase. And so being, you know, more consistent with my pacing and knowing that, you know, it's not going to be this amazing finish, but I can still finish hard where, you know, I might not dig the deepest I've ever dug. Yeah. It's important to note that as well. You know, I think that helps. Kind of in a similar vein, I loved how you talked about the internal governor in that Yahoo article. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, I, you know, I've read Alex Hutchinson's book and where he's talked about it indoor. And I'd love to know, like, can you talk more about what that is for the listeners and like kind of the role it plays in whether you're running pregnant or any other time, like how it the internal governor can serve to protect you. But sometimes you do really want it to shut up in certain moments, right? So that you can dig deep and, and stay with the fast guys or whatever. Yeah, that is one of the trickiest balances I think people find in running, whether they know it or not, is trying to figure out when to listen to that internal governor and when not to, right? Because that is, you know, what makes people great or not in the sport. It's not who can work the hardest. It's who work the smartest with their with their internal governor, right? You can take it easy and then really hammer and be able to back off when they need to, or you know, be okay with a lot of B workouts instead of just absolutely name their A workouts. And uh, so yeah, that internal governor is definitely there always. Yeah. <laughs> but it becomes a lot stronger, right, when you're pregnant. And for good reason, right? Because your resources need to be going to growing this baby. And and then also because your hormones are in the high hormone phase. And so your internal governor is a lot louder uh, telling you, you know, <laughs> hey, like you are dehydrating. You need to have like, this is enough. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's not really, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, just wanting to save you far from any damage but I've relied a ton on that internal governor, not really understanding, I guess, especially during pregnancy when people are like, don't get your heart rate too high, don't overheat and things like that. You know, there's research on and, and you know, being like, wait, but I just did this workout and my baby's totally fine. I, you know, like I, I was probably not, I mean, not that my core temperature was going up way high, but, you know, I wasn't staying in a temperate zone. like of, Right. Of, yes. Right. And so, yeah, I've definitely had, had to question whether or not to trust my internal governor. And I think that was important to, to listen to that internal governor when I was pregnant and knowing, you know, I'm not pushing beyond the boundaries of danger because, because my body would have said stop. And, and it had told me stop and I would listen, you know, I know, okay, this is, you know, enough for the day. Call my husband, be like, I'm, I need to come back to tired. Yeah. And I thought it was such an important point that they made that like, okay, her mile time, your PR, is it a 437 or yeah, is the gene? Oh, yeah. it's the gene mile. I mean, imagine what you can do mile. when you're not wearing jeans, but I <laughs> can't wait. But yeah, like making that point that, you know, her internal governor is going to speak to her at like a much faster pace than the rest of us, because that's what her body is used to. And so, yeah, it's like, and I love that they also quoted, you know, doctors that basically if you are pregnant, as long as you don't have like any risk factors, you can do what your body was used to doing before you got pregnant. Totally. 
and yes, you will have to like adapt, you know, as your belly grows and everything. But yes, you can continue to run. And yes, it is safe. Right. And I think it's funny to put that into perspective, just with the timing of how far off it, you know, my pregnant mile versus not being pregnant. You think I'm not even the fastest woman, right? When I'm not pregnant. And if you look at some of the women who, you know, are in the top in the nation or in the world, that's their marathon pace <laughs> is what I just did one mile. So if I were to tell someone, hey, you want to run your marathon pace pre-pregnancy, you know, maybe it was a nine or 10 minute mile. What It wouldn't be that big of a deal. And not that that is, I wish that was my marathon pace, but maybe it's not somewhere it's definitely in between my half and marathon base and so so it really doesn't sound quite as crazy and then also makes at least for me but like makes me respect a lot of the women how just how talented they are running at that level <laughs> that makes me wonder like okay so you're talking about marathon pace will you one day you have yet to run a marathon right no i've actually ran a marathon <laughs> oh you have okay yeah i ran the new york marathon has that already been two years? Yeah, it was two years ago. And that was my my first marathon running for ASICs. And it didn't go so hot. <laughs> the marathon's a beast. There's just so much that can go wrong in a marathon. Totally. Yeah. Well, and I think it was just, it was frustrating for me because it was stuff that was a little bit out of my control, but not so much out of my preparation. I should have prepared just a little bit better with my nutrition and I couldn't get my nutrition out of my bottles and it didn't. Oh man. Yeah. That was kind of a bummer. And, but now, you know, like I said, I've, I like dived more into research about all that stuff and I've realized I think it was less the calories as it was the hydration that was catching up with me. And, you know, it's so it's kind of silly looking back even because I wish I wasn't thinking straight. Cause I'm a 10K, 5K, 10K runner mindset where I'm like, I just have to keep going. Every second counts. And, you know, I should have grabbed other stuff that I wasn't grabbing and just thought I needed my own bottles anyway. But I was really happy with the fitness and the training that went into it. So, you know, it was good. It's still a really good experience. So you think you will uh, continue to try to tame that beast? Yeah. Yeah. I hope to yeah give myself another shot at the marathon, but I definitely have some times to chase on the track still that I'm excited to, to do after this pregnancy. So. so I love how you've talked about how like you running this pregnant mile. I mean, it does, it is like a metaphor and it does kind of represent, you know, going against what people say should be your reality, which is in essence a lot of times like this is what you cannot do and so like I feel like it's a beautiful example not only to other women but you know to like young girls such as your daughter who are are watching you do this and, and challenge all these like well these misconceptions about what women can and cannot do yeah obviously you've you've I'm assuming like you've thought about you know she was there when you did the last one obviously yeah <laughs> and saw it so like does she know what's going on does she know what it means or I mean this is her reality is like this is what moms can do yeah right no it's funny watching her reality of running morph as she you know she thinks like when people are gone she's like oh they're running like no they're at the store <laughs> you know like they're, they're not everyone who leaves isn't running <laughs> like, I promise. 
or just no yeah her reality is pretty funny about that she'll she'll put on her watch and, and be like i'll be back i'm gonna go run for 20 minutes and she just walks out the door and we let her run down the street I'm like this is hilarious so you know that reality changing kind of started with me personally that was like a huge thing that i think helped change my running right before i got pregnant I really tried to be honest with my reality and understand and not fudge things or, you know, and not that I was, it makes it sound like I was like a pathological liar or something. Like I wasn't a liar. I was just normal. Like I think we all kind of justify and fudge things a little bit or white lie through a lot of things. And I tried to be way more honest about my reality. You know, the amount of sleep I was getting, what I was actually eating and, you know, the, the times I was running because I think I just hoped so badly to have these breakthroughs. And I, you know, instead of pretending that I was this 1530 runner, I, you know, was like, okay, I'm just going to do workouts like a 16 flat runner because that's what I've ran. <laughs> like, right. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So that was kind of all the, the process for me. It's still a process. I'm trying to be as honest with my reality as possible to, you know, really help which I think is empowering because then you can really actually change things. Right. And so that kind of delved into this pregnancy and, you know, with the McKenna Myler blog, just having people change their perceptions and their reality because, you know, a lot of their realities are what you're not supposed to even lift a finger when you're pregnant or, you know, pregnancy is the sickness and, or even, you know, I've had a lot of women DM me and say, I didn't think that I was allowed to be doing this. And my pregnancy has been so much healthier. My recovery was so much better because I decided to run through this pregnancy. And not that they were hammering the same way I was because, you know, they're just doing what they could do and showing up in a way that felt good to them. And it made all the difference, right? They, you don't, I think that's a message that I'm really trying to send is that you don't, you don't need to be as intense as I am. <laughs> like, that's just well, yeah. part of my personality <laughs> and also now part of my job because it's fun for me. Like I really I have a good mental space where I'm at with that. And that's not a good mental space. That's not where you should be. <laughs> and yeah, what are you going to say? Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I do feel like like that's such an important point that, you know, what you're doing doesn't mean that's what other people should be doing. Everybody's got their own version, what feels good and what's healthy for them. And I've talked a lot about that on this podcast. I mean, like, it's not even everybody is different. Like every pregnancy is different. You know, I mean, like, if you have a third child, I mean, you may not be able to run the entire time. And it sounds like you know that you accept that. And and it's like being injured, then you just kind of focus on what your body can do. I think having a, a curious mindset has, has really helps me reframe those situations. So with, you know, the second pregnancy, I wasn't like, I'm going to do the same thing that I did last time. It was more just like, like I said, a curious mindset where it's like, let's see what happens when I might not be getting quite as much sleep because I can't just sleep whenever I want because I have a toddler that I'm running around with. You know, or I might not be able to be out there as long because I'm trying to balance having my husband watch our daughter while, you know, I go do my runs. And so how can I make the most of my time that I can put in? And I even I hired a coach this time around. So 
that was kind of fun because I was going to be pretty lazy about this pregnancy, to be honest. <laughs> in the beginning, I took a break from running. I was like, well, I probably should just take it easy. I want to send the message that it just doesn't matter if you're intense and you're pregnant. And and then I just couldn't help it because it's my personality. And I was like, wait, I really miss workouts. <laughs> yes, yes. And my coach was like, you know what? I think it would be cool to see if we can train and build, still build some fitness for your goals post-pregnancy during this pregnancy. And and so again, that, that curiosity was lit again. And, you know, we tried to, it was interesting because it was different. The first pregnancy I was training off of, you know, a relatively high fitness and then just seeing what I could maintain. And this time around, it was more building fitness because like I said, I took a break. Oh, I raced the first month of my pregnancy, month and or two months of my pregnancy, and then took a break and then had to build fitness. And that was way harder. <laughs> so yeah. Hard. Like, yeah. When you're, yeah, your body is not, uh, yeah. anyway. <laughs> I mean, it certainly does help. Like, not only does it help with the pregnancy and the delivery, but then also the postpartum. In a lot of cases, not all, if you're able to maintain your fitness and your activity level. Your coach is Ryan Hall, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard that him. is He's so cool. Awesome. I really like working with him. Yeah. So did you not have a coach beforehand? So beforehand I was, yeah, coaching myself. And then I linked up with Isaac Wood, who is, he's a local coach and what's it called? Promoter. He was working at BYU at the time. He wasn't, we, we were pretty good friends and we kind of just like bounce ideas so he was helping me, but he wasn't really writing out a ton of plans for me or anything. He was just kind of helping me with workout days. And I really liked working with them because, you know, when you have a child, you know, you're just flying by the seat of your pants a lot of the time. <laughs> and that I realized, you know, that I and, and he just didn't have enough time to be a coach full time for me. So I was like, I need I need to hire someone. And so I kind of started looking and one of my old teammates works with Ryan Hall. And, and so I reached out to him and asked if, you know, we could talk and it just felt really right. He's just, we have a very similar work ethic, I think, and just the way we go about running. And, and I, I really enjoyed talking to him. It felt, yeah, like I said, felt really right. I'm just really excited to work with him. Ah, that's so awesome. So it sounds like you'll continue to train with him postpartum. Yes, totally. And you know, in the beginning, I actually didn't want to tell people that I had hired him because I was, there was a total like little asterisk in my mind that I'm like, if I have a miscarriage, I don't want people to think, you know, that he had any part in that, you know, that like to keep him separated in that because you just never know. Miscarriages are common. It's not like you can (laughs) be like, you had a miscarriage because you worked out too hard. It's just, it's, it's a part of being a woman. I think it's, it's a really normal part of being a woman, but yeah. anyway. (laughs) And he was, he didn't have that fear. No. You know what? This is so funny because people are, people have asked me, like, you hired a man. First off, you hired a man and you have, does he know anything about training with your cycle or any of that? And I was like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't know any of it, but he's so good with training. And the thing that has drawn me to Ryan that and what has kept me around too is he's just so interested in learning. And I think that's what makes such a great coach is, you know, he's, always learning about the individual and he's always open to kind of, you know, what I have to say and learning that, you know, I have things to say about being a woman. I'm sure we'll learn more uh, when my actual 
like period cycle returns <laughs> because right now he's, we really only work together during pregnancy, but he's been awesome with that. And he obviously lives with his athlete, Sarah Hall, and yeah. you know, can see how <laughs> it impacts her training, right? So yeah, he knows. And plus, you know, right. they have a bunch of kids, so he understands what it's, obviously their kids are older, but like he understands what it's like to balance family and running and life, which is always, I think that's always so important to have in a coach. Yeah, it's true. He's really good at that. Yeah. So do you feel open to sharing like kind of what your goals are like in the running sphere, but then also with your new website and everything? Yeah, sure. Let's start with, with the website. I, you know, I just want to reach women. And, and when I say that, it's like numbers are cool. It's cool to reach more people. And, but I want to actually reach women. <laughs> I always I, I, you know, like, I want them to actually understand it and that to change something in their life, change a part of their reality. And it's awesome when it's more because it just more people, because that means, you know, there's just more possibilities of that actually happening where they're actually changing things for the better. But as regards, and so, so I do want to continue with that and kind of being my own experimental guinea pig with a lot of those things and trying to help women understand their cycles. And then, you know, as far as running goes, I love the mindset of, you know, just let's just see how good I can be if I am doing the things I can control and, you know, see like being a student of the sport. And when I'm in that mindset, things start going really well. And so I'm, I'm excited to, you know, have the hopefully a healthy <laughs> delivery and then, uh, you know, take my break, take my time to, you know, be with my little growing family and then hopefully, you know, return to running and maybe, so I do want to chase some track times by the end of the season, <laughs> maybe jump in some really late track meets, but that might be pushing it. I'm not sure. Like I said, you just always have to keep an open mind to how things are going to go because that would be, let's see, we're in March. Yeah. Like April, May, June, July. Yeah. Like five, five or six months out. So you just never know. But I do uh, hope to be at the trials, um, like I said, and keep an open mind, but for the marathon and for the 5K, 10K. So next year, (laughs) it's going to be great. It's a a big, big year. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that so much. I'm just so many exciting things on the horizon, including a baby in just a matter of days. (laughs) Well, I'll be stalking your Instagram and I know you don't like post a ton, right? But I'm sure. No, I was just I hate playing the game. It's so hard because it's like the more you post, the more exposure Instagram gives you to people. But I also am like, I don't want to post nonsense and I don't have time because I also am trying to spend time with my daughter. Anyway. Oh, I'm totally the same way. Like I could, you know, I have that little voice in my head where I'm like, you should be making like fancier reels or take better photos but I'm like no I'm just I'm that's not how I'm going to choose to spend my time so yeah I totally get it but I will be stalking um when I'm on to see you know see that beautiful babe of yours and so best of luck and thank you so much for taking the time to chat and I'd love to chat in the future because you know you have a lot of big things coming your way thanks yeah I love that too (laughs) thanks again for having me on (laughs) thank you so much bye 
Thank you, McKenna, and thank you all for listening to The Passionate Runner. You can find full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, takeaways, quotes, and any of the resources we mentioned at runnerclick.com slash podcast. And be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from the episodes, we'd love for you to leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash runner. We'll read these out on future episodes. Talk to you next time.